And now the scripture reading is going to be by Rabbi. Hello. I want to say the scripture reading for today. It's on Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers, and sexually immoral, and murderers, and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. And that's all for the scripture reading for today. Thank you. Goodbye. And now the pastor, Pertansky, will give our divine message. Good morning. Good to be back. And I come with the same burden as I had three weeks ago. Speaking the truth. Let's turn to the last book of the Bible and the last two chapters. Revelation 21, Revelation 21, 7 and 8. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. 
But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. And then let's turn to the next chapter, Revelation 22, 14 and 15. Revelation 22, 14 and 15. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Brethren, uh, I have a reason to be concerned about speaking the truth. Lying has become very fashionable. Uh, yes, not only in the political circles, but sometimes places where we least expect them. Speaking the truth as salvation issue. Now you remember the first lie was a theological lie and we lost the garden. The last lie will be theological when Lucifer will personate Jesus and what will he tell? What will he tell people? I have changed the Sabbath to Sunday. And of course, whoever accepts this theological lie will not be able to enter the Garden of Eden either. But may I say this, dearly beloved, <clears throat> Sometimes we try to differentiate between secular and theological lie, but no secular lies. There is no such a thing. Jesus says, I am the truth. And whoever lies denies Jesus. When exposing a crime, and I said this three weeks ago, when exposing a crime is treated as committing a crime, you are ruled by criminals. Remember WikiLeaks? You remember Julian Assange? He is an Australian. The last seven years he spent in London in the Ecuadorian embassy, but somehow they expulsed him and he was arrested on April 11, 
19. Let me tell you a story. <clears throat> a sad story. In April, this year, in April, former CIA director, current Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, spoke at the Texas A&M University and proudly announced, I'm quoting, what is a gathered motto in West Point? The motto is, you will not lie, you will not cheat, you will not steal, and you will not tolerate those who do. And he says, I was a CIA director, I'm still quoting. I was a CIA director. I, we lied, we cheated, we stole. And the students at the university applauded. What does it mean, brethren? They approved. Are you with me so far? This is the Secretary of State, the former CIA director. <clears throat> and Mike Pompeo has accused WikiLeaks of being hostile to the interest of the state. One, only one Christian radio broadcaster said, this is not the resume of the Secretary of State, it is a resume of Satan. Are you with me, brother? What did Jesus say about Lucifer? He is a liar and the father of it. I have a paper here in front of me. I brought it along just in case you question. I did not make up the story. When I speak about truth, I'm not going to lie from the pulpit. It's only expected that if anybody, the pastor speaks, even if he's retired, he speaks the truth. The New York area fire commissioners, plural. The New York area fire commissioners and I have here many pages, call for a new 9-11 investigation of the pre-planted explosives. Now, brethren, these are not somebody from the Middle East. These are not somebody from China or Russia. These are the New York area fire commissioners. <clears throat> we have to reinvestigate because the two World Trade Towers went down because of 
explosives. Is there a lie behind this story? Of course there is a lie. But may I say something here, even more important. My real concern is theological lies. Lies that affect our salvation. Now, when I was here last time, just a few weeks ago, we reviewed the arrest, the trial, the condemnation, and the crucifixion of Jesus. And I showed you briefly that lie after lie after lie followed the procedure. That Pilate was determined to let Jesus go. But why didn't he? Why didn't he? Because his profession was at stake, brethren. What did the Jews tell him? If you let this man go, you are not friend of Caesar. And if you are not a friend of Caesar, brethren, you are in trouble in Rome. How many of you remember Katrina? Thank you. I give you the date. August 29, 2005. That's about 14 years ago. Now, Dorian is gone out to the ocean, but before Dorian left, spent an entire day or two over the Bahamas as Category 5. And the devastation is terrible. But but I am speaking about Katrina, 14 years ago. Because there is a lesson. As the hurricane reached the land, it slowed down to category one and five, between category one and five. So the radio commentator said, oh, it is not as bad as we thought. I'm speaking about Hurricane Katrina 2005 that hit New Orleans. And I said, no, it's not as bad as we expected. But then you know what happened? The levees, the containing walls broke. Several of them. And New Orleans was flooded. The real tragedy happened Not because of the wind, not because of the rain, but because the levees or the containing walls broke. Uh, It would be so interesting to speak about the story of those levees. Fascinating story, how they were built and how they were poorly maintained. Thank you so much. It might help, it might not. We'll try. 
Thank you. But let me read the official evaluation. This is again official. The failure of the levees and the flood walls during Katrina are considered by experts to be the worst engineering disaster in the history of the United States. Now, are you with me? The worst engineering disaster in the history of the United States. That's a very serious charge. But this morning I like to share with you or share my concern about levees or walls that are being demolished. And it will bring about the same disaster. Now, from the physical, we switch over to the spiritual. From the secular to the theological. The containing wall or levies. Number one. The wall that separates Protestants and Roman Catholics. Protestantism and Roman Catholic Catholicism. Now, brethren, the wall was the highest, uh, somewhere 1870, 1880, when Pope Pius IX, very famous Pope, Please remember this in history. You, you should remember history. Pope Pius IX uh, issued encyclicals and church decisions, and one of them was the Immaculate Conception. Now, this stirred up Protestants because... The Bible does not speak about an immaculate conception. But this is a cardinal teaching of the church. A few years later, the same pope issued the syllables of errors. And in that book, separation of church and state was named as one of the worst possible Error, separation of church and state. Now, that's a cardinal teaching of the United States Constitution, brethren. That's a voice that separates Protestantism from Catholicism. A very important wall. And the third issue, again, uh, by the reign of Pope Pius IX, he's a very famous pope was the dogma of papal infallibility. Now, brethren, 
these issues are far more serious than some of us realize. And after this, the United States recalled our embassy or ambassador from Rome and said, we cannot maintain an embassy relationship with Rome with that kind of a heresy. But today there is a trend to tear down that wall that separates Protestants from Roman Catholics. A number of years ago, a dear sister from Brooklyn, she, I almost sent, went to be with the Lord, but I am not saying that. Don't, don't charge me with heresy. She is resting in the grave, okay? <clears throat> but she was hospitalized because of a stroke. And uh, she recovered. And uh, as I visited her, she says, Pastor, Pastor, I was, visit- I was visited by the hospital chaplain, a very friendly, very kind Roman Catholic priest. I said, fine, I'm glad he visited you. Oh, but I took communion from him too. What do you say? Now, brethren, what can I say? She just came out from the hospital, sick as somebody can be. You know what I said? What Elijah said to Naaman. You remember when Naaman says, yes, forgive me if I go with my lord the king to the temple of idols, and he leans on my shoulder. Let me just take some dirt on two donkeys to my home country and stand on that and so on that. Elijah says, just go in peace. Go in peace. Let's not argue about it. So I, 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 I let her go. But brethren, I preached the sermon before. I preached the sermon, and I'm saying it again. Rome is expecting you and me to return to the Mother Church in the Holy Eucharist, participating in their communion service. Are you with me, brethren? But when you participate in that communion service, you acknowledge transubstantiation, which is abomination. You cannot do it. In 1994, a 25-page long study was published entitled Evangelicals and Catholics, signed by 39 prominent professors, theologians, pastors, bishops, and so on. And this study showed that it is not right to proselytizing. Now, 
You know what that means. Protestants will not invite Catholics to join the Lutheran Church or the Presbyterian Church, and Catholic will not invite Presbyterians to join. Brethren, we cannot do that. We cannot do that. Righteousness by faith, a joint declaration, <clears throat> was issued in 1999, October 31st. Now, you know why October 31st is an important date? It was October 31st when Luther nailed his 95 theses on the door at Wittenberg. So it was a jubilee day. Righteousness by faith. And they say, this is Lutherans and Catholics. Lutherans and Catholics saying that Protestant Reformation was a mistake. It is in that study saying Reformation was a mistake. They were arguing over semantics. Now, brethren, it was not a mistake. Don't you ever accept that kind of an interpretation because that's tearing down the levy. which will be followed by flood and destruction. Um, Vatican II, how many of you remember Vatican II? John Paul XXIII called it together uh, from 1962 to 1965. Protestants were invited the first time. Up to that time, they were heretics. At that council, they were called separated brethren. Are you following me so far? Separated brethren. But who still need to come back to the mother church. They accepted Protestant baptism. I meet regularly, I mean regularly, once a month with Hungarian, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Baptist pastors. We were not able to change the Lutheran pastor, the Presbyterian pastor. They still practice Baby baptism. There are the Baptist pastors and the Seventh-day Adventist pastors. They still hold on to their errors. Now, the Roman Catholic Church at this Congress um, accepted the Protestant baptism. But brethren, what kind of a baptism? Are you with me? Children baptism. 
when you don't have a choice. <clears throat> Roe and Wade. I don't want to go into this. This is a hot topic. You know what Roe and Wade is. Uh, it was a Supreme Court on January 22, 1973, when the U.S. Supreme Court said that it is legal to have abortion. You have the freedom. Stirred up the nation, divided the nation almost like the civil war. But I don't want to go into this too much. It is a hot issue. It's a controversial issue. <clears throat> May I say, <clears throat> what are the real issues here, brethren? What are the real issues here? The real issue is when is an embryo or a fetus become a person after birth? Or is he already a person during pregnancy? It makes a difference. The Supreme Court made the decision that a fetus becomes a person after it is born. And there are very, very serious theologians, Seventh-day Adventist theologians too, that say no. During pregnancy, you are already a person. Remember when Mary visited Elizabeth? You remember the story? Brethren, serious theological issues are involved in this, and I, I'm just putting this out so that you study it for yourself. I cannot answer all your questions. But study it for yourself, because this is a very serious theological, ethical question. When does a fetus become a person? Now, <clears throat> Just to remind you briefly, when Mary came to Elizabeth... Elizabeth was pregnant for how many months? Do you remember how many months? Don't look my fingers because I didn't mean to give you the number. Six months. You know, there, uh, Elizabeth became pregnant six months earlier. Gabriel visited first Elizabeth, no? actually Zacharias, and then visited Mary six months later. And Mary went up. And how did Elizabeth greet Mary? Do you, this, this is a familiar story, but brethren, extremely important story. Extremely important story. How did Elizabeth greet Mary? She says, when the babe heard your voice, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And how is this honor that the mother of my Lord comes and so on and so on. Reread the story, brethren. 
That fetish was already a person to respond. So there are serious issues involved here. Uh, my time is almost over. The second wall that they try to tear down is the separation of church and state. Now, remember Pius IX said in 1880 that one of the most abominable heresies is the teaching of the separation of church and state. But the United States Constitution, one of the greatest composition of human rights and religious rights, guarantees the separation of church and state. And they don't want the church to use the state to enforce her dogmas. Brethren, may I say kindly, I don't know how to say this. <clears throat> I'm saying it even if if you pick up stone as I go out, okay? I, I, go, I cannot go out here because this door is locked. At the last election, I voted for Trump. I had to choose between two evils. And I thought she was worse than Trump. Forgive me. This is not politics. This is theology, all right? But I know Trump is moving in the direction to unite church and state. And I don't know how I will vote next time, and I'm not telling you how to vote, all right? This is not a political campaign. I don't want to use the pulpit for political issues. This is a theological issue. When Truman sent an ambassador to Rome, the opposition was so strong that he withdrew the nomination. He says, no, I'm not going to fight. When President Reagan sent an ambassador to Rome, no objection. No objection. The wall of separating church and state it's a very important issue. It's one of the levees that keeps the water out. And if that levee breaks, brethren, I'm not American by birth. I'm Hungarian. <clears throat> Probably I don't have to prove it. You know it by my accent. But brethren, in your own history, in your own history. Remember when the pilgrims came and they were staunch Calvinists. And the early colonial government forced people to go to church. And if they missed once, penalty. Second times, even more severe penalty. 
And in some cases, they administered death penalty. That's the third violation. That was a colonial American life. You have to remember that. Have to remember that. And we are moving towards that direction. <coughs> One of the U.S. Supreme Court justice, the Supreme Court judge, the chief justice, pardon me, the chief justice says that separation of church and state is based on bad history should be abandoned. <coughs> you remember <coughs> the funeral <coughs> of John Paul II? <coughs> When I'm speaking about history, I am still considering it theologically, brethren. It's a theological issue. I mean, <clears throat> over 200 countries were represented at the funeral. People stood in line to see the dead body of John Paul. They stood in line for hours. But among the display of beautiful colors, one color was missing. Do you know which color was missing, brethren? Blue. Blue. Everything else was fantastic. But blue was missing because blue represents... There is so much that needs to be said, but my time is over. There is a real, real struggle going on within our ranks. Honest men, honest men, argue about the gospel. Uh, at the Michigan camp meeting, uh, when you go to Michigan, you pick up only good book in Michigan camp meeting, all right? Brethren, I highly recommend. I picked up this face-to-face with the gospel, a revised edition face-to-face with the gospel, a revised edition by uh, Dennis Preby. Thank you. Old age. Dennis Preby is one of my favorite authors. I love him. And the other issue around us is Last generation theology. And brethren, serious issues. Serious issues. 
Book have been published by Andrews University. I purchased all three of them. Knocking. Knocking. Last generation theology. So, I am getting now a series of ten lectures by Kevin Paulson, if you can get on the internet, and if you can get on the Great Controversy webpage. <clears throat> Three of the ten he already published defending, defending last generation theology. I stand with last generation theology. Now, you may stone me, you may not agree with me, that's perfectly all right. You have been kind to me, courteous, so have I been to you. But uh, that's where I stand. If I say we shouldn't lie because we won't get into heaven, then the number one thing is that you expect that I don't lie. I like to close with two quotes. One, a biblical. You remember when Elijah had to run for his life. <clears throat> and the Lord sent him to Zarephath, to a widow. A fascinating story. Fascinating. I, I, I always love to reread these stories. I know them by heart. But every time I reread them, it inspires me. I'm not telling you the story. You know the story. Ultimately, the widow's son dies. The widow who served him, hosted him, was kind to him. And the mother comes to him and she says, listen, why did you come here? Why did you come here to kill my son? Elijah took up the son to his private room, pleaded with the Lord as never before. He says, Lord, this woman has done so much good for me and you killed his son. I mean, her son. And the scripture says so beautifully that the Lord answered Elijah's prayer and life returned to that boy. He brought it down, gave it to his mother. says, here is your son. Now, first king, Chapter 17 ends with this testimony. Please, if you remember anything from this sermon, remember this. First King, chapter 17, the last verse in the chapter. These are the words of this mother. She says, now I know that the word of the Lord on your lips are true. Brethren, the word on your mouth is truth. Because it is possible to use the word of God deceptively. 
You remember when the Herodians came to Jesus, <clears throat> that's in the New Testament, and tried to trap him, entice him, and he says, we know you speak the truth, we know that you don't care whether rich or poor, high and low, you speak the truth. Now tell us, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But they complimented him. What they said was true, but they used the truth deceptively. You read it in Desire of Ages, brethren. You have to go to the spirit of prophecy. And what was Jesus' response? You hypocrites. Why do you tempt me? Bring me a money. Whose picture is on it? Remember the testimony of the widow at Zarephath. And in closing, I quote with the same quotation that I closed last time. Education, page 57. Where? Education, page 57, second, third paragraph. Education, page 57, third paragraph. The greatest want of the world is the want of men. Men who will not be bought or sold. Men who in their inmost soul are true and honest. Men who do not fear call sin by its right name. Men whose conscience is as true to the duty as needle to the pole. Men who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. May the Lord help us to be such. Amen. Our closing hymn is going to be a 626. In a little while, we're all going home. Please stand.
grace of God with heavenly strength in us. In a little while we're going home. In a little while, in a little while, we shall cross the billows foam. We shall meet at last when the stormy weather passed. In a little while we're going home. We will with the path where the sun will be wet. In a little while we're going home. And may loving hearts spread around the Shall meet at last when the stormy weather passed. In a little while we're going home. There's a triestai from everywhere. In a little while we're going home. And no tears shall fall in the city's bright and fair. In a little while we're going home In a little while, in a little while We shall pass the billows foam We shall meet at last in the Please bow our head for prayer. Loving Father, yes, in a little while, we are going home. But before reaching home, people will try to tear down the levee, the containing wall that our pioneers have raised. Loving Father, help us to be true. Help us to be individuals who will not be bought or sold. Help us to be true to your word as a needle is to the pole. And give us a courage to call sin by its right name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.